0: Let me tell you a little bit about myself my husband and I had started a church in Dublin 40 years ago 39 I guess um, years ago and so for many many years we've pastored there and now our son pastors but in my heart was always the uh, desire to go overseas and teach and when I began to teach one thing they had me teach was evangelism and <clears throat> you know the world has changed overseas has changed here it's changed People have changed, and sometimes we use the old methods as if they're going to still work. And it's and obviously we need the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no question about that. That is very very important. But there was a day that when we um, shared some with someone about Christ, they were aware of a lot more than they are today. And plus that they trusted Christians. So I. I want us to pray and then I just want to talk to you about the different thresholds that um, a person who is coming to Christ needs to cross. And this actually came from InterVarsity, but the truth is I think when you hear them and see them that you will find that this is sort of the way that Jesus did it in the Bible. And uh, I think that it, it will help us to... See that our, our experiences of sharing Christ really need to be very relational. So let's open in prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you that you have allowed us to be born in this time and to reach the group of people that are around us. And I pray that you will give us wisdom and you will give us an understanding of what uh, they, the people around us need To understand and to come to you fully and we love you and we thank you that we have that opportunity and I pray for each one here today that they'll glean those things that are uh, salient for them and for the ministries that they have so Lord we just pray that you would accomplish your will through this um, course and we thank you in Jesus name we pray amen As I said, um, intervarsity. What the background to this, and I've got to be careful. The background to this is that intervarsity was very, very successful on the college campus for a long time, and they would have big groups. They had great success, and then what happened was they began to see that that success was somewhat waning, and they didn't know why. You know, one problem we have in the church sometimes is that we don't, I mean, we'll, we will ride a dead horse forever <laughs> and not get rid of, you know, and we say, but this worked. It, it should work again. What are, they, what are these, pe- these people that don't know Christ thinking that they're not accepting this dead horse, you know? So, uh, But they began to think, what is happening? What is different? So they began to do not research in the sense of you know, like having a psychologist come in or something like that. But they just begin to observe what was happening and to say what is, hap- what is not happening today that is causing people not to be as drawn to Christ. And, you know, I don't think that we need to talk too much about who is postmodern because I'll tell you we are all postmodern. Now, we as Christians still believe in truth, but we are all affected by the postmodern thought. If you ever watch TV, if you ever do anything, you are affected by it. And so when I talk about this, this isn't just college campuses. This is your neighbors. This is, this is the people at the PTA. This is kids that come in to your homes and play with your kids there are certain things that, they, that we need to encourage them and ways we need to encourage them to see them come to Christ. So, the first I want to share with you... Um, what in the world is that? Oh, okay. Yeah, but this... Oh, it doesn't... Oh, it's just... Sh- oh, okay. I'm <laughs> obviously, I need to change something. <laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, the five thresholds were created to answer these questions. What is it like for those who are lost to take steps toward Jesus and how can we truly be helpful to them on that journey? One thing I don't think we realize today is that most people who are lost don't think they're lost. You know, it's not. when I was growing up, people... Even if they were living like the devil, they knew what was right and they knew what they ought to be doing. And so I think that's one reason that they were able to walk into, into a, a service, get saved and be changed that week. They actually knew what to change too. But, th- but that's not the, the truth today. And so when, you, when we look at those who are lost need to take steps toward Jesus, we need to realize, They don't feel lost. In fact, when they don't listen to you, and we'll say this again in a minute, but when they don't listen to you, they think they're being wise. They think Christians are nutcases. They think Christians are way in the behind times. And we need to recognize that and say, what can we do to help them, to move them from where they are to where they can be open to Christ? Now, I'm going to... Uh, in the next one, I'm gonna sh- these are the five thresholds. The first is from distrust to trust. If you listen to the news, if you listen to almost anything, you know that Christians are not trusted. Conservatives aren't trusted. We, we do not have the trust of people. So when you have a neighbor or when you have someone come to your church, the first thing they need is to trust you. And sometimes we, we just jump right over that. Well, they ought to trust us. We know Jesus. <laughs> honestly, why would they not trust us? Well, honestly, sometimes we haven't been the best examples, and maybe they have reasons. But beyond that, the fact that we see truth and believe truth is not necessarily a positive thing in their eyes today because as we all know truth isn't really truth it doesn't have to be true true it just has to be what I want to be truth. and I don't know about you but for me that is a very hard concept for me to really grasp to say how can you say that I mean I will listen to the news and it'll talk about abortion and it'll talk about you know that we can kill babies right up to end and I'm thinking what about that is hard to understand I don't understand but to them, we're just closed and we don't listen and we don't care and we've got the problem. So we need to help them trust. Then they may come from complacent to curious. So we'll talk about each one of these. I'm just going over them now. From being closed to change to be, uh, being open to change in their lives. This is probably the, harder, the hardest one of these because it's one thing to be curious and it's one thing... And it's an altogether n- other thing to to open your up yourself up and say I am willing to change four is from meandering to sinking. have you ever been with somebody that was sort of seeking God but mainly they were just sort of wandering around and a lot of postmodern people live in that wandering around stage well they just try this they try that they try this they try that and they're meandering but this threshold is saying we've got to, get to help them to come to the place that they seek. And then finally they cross the threshold into the kingdom itself. Um, uh, knowing where they are on the path of faith will help us empathize with them and understand how impossible it may be for them to take the next step. Let's talk a minute about what it feels to be lost. Feelings of lostness are different for different people. For one person, it takes a long time for them to realize they, were, they are even lost. I remember that Dave and I, we went to Washington DC to interview someone to be the youth pastor. So we're coming back and when we got somewhere on some turnpike, we stopped to get gas and so Dave said, Could, would you drive? Sure, no problem. So I get in the car and I start driving. Now, we were really, see, this is what I didn't know. We were really, really close to 70 to get off and to go across 70 and get to Columbus. But I didn't know that, so I am just barreling up to Cleveland. And when I saw the sign that I was at Cleveland, I thought, i think i have a problem (laughs) so i wake woke up dave and he really thought i had a problem and he said how could you not notice well i didn't know i was lost i had a wonderful afternoon actually (laughs) now dave on the other hand when he realizes he's lost he has an internal sense of direction and he thinks it's a game to figure out how to get how to find where he's going I don't even notice that I'm not going where I'm going so it's a different thing and you know we may see our friends and neighbors as lost but as I said before there's no, there, it, there's a very real chance that they don't see themselves as lost and they're not uncomfortable it was just like that afternoon me driving to Cleveland it was a wonderful day it was right after 9-11 and they had flags on all the overpasses and I thought this was heaven to me but Dave wasn't too impressed with that. But.
1: <laughs>
0: and, you know, there's no point in pushing the gospel if they can't hear it because we've not taken the time to develop their trust. In fact, we might even push them away. Uh, and so we have got to really try, really make that effort to make friends with them. If they trust you, then you stop trying to build trust and you try to figure out how to get them to the next stage or the next threshold. It's not magical, these five thresholds. It's not, you know, it always happens that way. Some people just don't really go in a straight line. But the truth, um, but some, so we just need to understand that sometimes some people are never going to take the seed. They're never going to grow. They're never going to come to Christ but we at least want to be using a tool that increases our odds. So let's look at threshold one from distrust to trust. There's a saying that says, trust is sweet. It is better than gold. Trust is always a gift of the heart, and therefore it just may be the most precious thing in life next to love. Sometimes God builds trust between people in the most amazing ways. When we came to the the church many, many years ago to Dublin, when we started the church, we decided two things. We decided that we were going to minister to people out of the opposite spirit. And the spirit in Dublin was real hottie totty And if you know Dave and I, we don't have a hottie totty bone in our body. You know, we're just who we are. And we decided that, but the other thing we decided was that we were going to be very careful to be faithful in front of these people and to live the life that when they saw us, it we were always the same. And if we th- at times during that time, if we fought we, f- we were more likely to, to fight in front of them than we were <laughs> to not because you've got to be honest in front of them, you know so I've wanted to do my part (laughs) Um, but but the truth is that we want them to know us and we want them to love us and to care about us so that they can respect the Christ that we love and follow I I get confused because I'm trying to find the fight but I found it okay so When we came, uh, like I said, when we came to Dublin, we decided that we were going to be knowable and as much as possible, normal. And for Dave, that meant that he would go out and play football and basketball. He worked hard. He's the hardest worker you'll ever find. And we used a lot of very unspiritual things to see the church grow. I mean, if I can remember him going and doing things for little, little old ladies. Like I remember the time that he, he was going to... Um, well, they had a problem with squirrels, this woman did, this single woman. And she was at work, so he goes over there and he's going to get squirrels. So, so there was a fire in the fireplace and the squirrel decides... A squirrel that was in the top decides to come down... And, he, and it catches on his tail on fire, and, and nobody said anything. All he could think about was, I'm going to burn this lady's house down. But you know, that meant so much to that lady that he went over and got rid of her squirrels. And sometimes what we need to do is be a very, very good neighbor. We need to, we need to not judge them for the way they're living, but rather to be their friend and get to know them and let them get to know you and to, and then to win the, win the right to share with them about Christ. Because relationships and genuine friendships are our currency when we're trying to lead people to Christ. And as we said before, in all of our culture, Christianity often does not have respect and For that respect to grow toward Christianity, it needs to grow toward you, each of you. Um, uh, Then five, uh, the five habits that build trust. The first one is pray. You know, it hurts when people don't treat us right and when people don't love us and they don't love our God, right? It hurts. But we have to pray, and we have to admit that we're hurt and we're irritated by others' distrust. And ask God to soften our hearts and then to intercede for them because without prayer, reaching the postmodern mind is never going to happen. Second, we have to learn. Try to understand their world from their perspective and sympathize with them. Ask good questions. Try to learn why they distrust you or Christians in general where that comes from in their lives. Bond. When we're tempted to avoid them, I don't know about you, but I sort of like to avoid people that are not nice to me. Sometimes that even happens in the church. Surely not in your church, but in our church sometimes somebody will get something. I'm from Texas, so I'll say it this way. They get something in their crawl, and you're just like, Whatever. I have not the foggiest. What happened? But when we're tempted to avoid, we can choose to spend time with them. And we can be willing to give uh, or share our time for the sake of building trust. We can affirm them. Now, I do want to share this one thing about affirmation. Just a second. Uh, in, in Acts 17, you remember in Acts 17, Paul was there. He was in Athens. And, he participa- and the Athenians participated in extreme idol worship. And Paul surprises us. He doesn't throw, throw a fit about their awful violation of the second commandment. He Instead, he affirms this. And what was his affirmation? He said, I see that you are very religious. Well, they didn't know Jesus but they were very religious. And we need to find ways to affirm people that we're trying to lead to the Lord, even if the majority of their life is so different and, uh, and, and crossways to ours. Because we are not trying, to, how can I say this? We are not trying to win them at this point to Christ. They're not ready for that. We have to win them to us and we would never lie. We would never agree with something that was wrong. But there's nearly always something that, that can, you can say that is positive. Um, and then finally, welcome them into your life. Come and see is an authentic, transparent gift that Jesus gave to everyone. And we need to realize that, that we need to say to people, come and see. Come and see. So develop a life of hospitality. If you have a family that the kids are home alone, next door, ask them into your, ho- into your life. I don't mean you have to babysit for them all the time. When my kids were little, I always wanted the kids in the naibor- neighborhood to come to my house because I could, I could, uh, you know, nip some things in the bud if I was there, but, but I wanted them to come And you can teach your children, you can teach your children as they come in to love them, but no, we're not going to talk like that, or we're not going to say that, or not let them talk bad in your home. But the important thing is that you welcome them into your life. Now, I uh, mentioned um, the art of neighboring, and I'm not going to talk very much about that simply because of the time. But there is a book called The Art of Neighboring, and it talks about in that book, that we don't tend to know our neighbors we don't know them we don't i mean i don't know about you i could go all winter at least and never see my neighbors they go they drive into the garage they close the garage door they go inside i never see them and sometimes even in the summer if they're not the kind of people that get out and walk or something like that you might never see them and yet we have got to be intentional about reaching our neighbors and what uh, the art of neighboring, you should, you know, you might write that down and, and you can get it for yourself. But the, uh, what it says is this. It, may, it has you, it gives you uh, like a chart and it gives you your house in the middle and I don't know, six or eight, I think it's eight blocks around. And you begin to learn the name of your neighbors and put their name there and then maybe do a block party. Now, I, it's funny, you know, you get on... Um, you get on um, email, I mean, Wi-Fi and they, and you'll have people, very spiritual people that I'm pretty sure could not reach very many postmodernists to the Lord, but that, that say, you know, oh, well, that's just shallow. Well, of course it's shallow. We're meeting shallow people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's, we're not trying to disciple them at this point. We're trying to get them to trust us and to show them that we love them and that Christians... Are nice people we are nice and we're we are we are real nice (laughs) and we want you to know it (laughs) but you get the idea what I'm saying for and sometimes if we're not careful we get so busy in Christian stuff that we don't ever ask them to come and see and if if they have a party and you know you got to handle it like you handle it we happened to be not available, so it was a great blessing, I guess. But one of our neighbors just had, just a few weeks ago, they had a tapas and I didn't even know what the stuff was. But, <laughs> but, but the wine, I knew what wine was. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, do you, you think they'd be offended if I brought my Diet Dr. Pepper? <laughs> but anyway, it was irrelevant. I couldn't go that time. But, uh, but sometimes, I don't think that the way they live is going to jump off of them and make you non-holy. I mean, we have to, we have to reach out to people and let them come and see. And, to, and that can only be done through a life of hospitality. Okay, threshold two is from complacent to curious. To go from being complacent about spiritual things to being intrigued is a natural process our souls and our minds are built by God to be curious to ask questions until we find satisfying answers and there's three levels of intensity of curiosity the first is what is the first um, yeah yeah awareness I've been, oh I'll oh shoot um, um, yeah awareness no that's very good thank you for doing that I always say I am my well I don't even know what I say but I'm I'm, I'm comic relief just by <laughs> meh. but anyway the first baby step is often becoming aware of options and if when people come to the point of being curious very often they don't I don't think we as Christians that live our life in the Christian bubble understand how little people outside that bubble un- even understand about Christianity. So we want to, uh, re- to raise awareness. And uh, the step is often becoming aware of the possibility of more paths of life. I, I sometimes listen, I mean, I thought, listen to Fox News probably as, as no, ad nauseum, but I, I'm listening sometimes and then I listen, I, mean, I listen to all the stuff, you know, but I wonder, how could people think such bad things about us? Well, if we're not giving them an opportunity to know us, then what do you think they're going to think? It, it, I don't know. I think we think they get it by osmosis. They get it through spending time with us. And if we don't have time, which very often, honestly, if I'm not intentional... I could never talk to anybody outside us, and we need to give them that awareness. The second one is engagement. Perhaps they begin to hang around with a Christian. Perhaps they take this personal engagement a step further by reading the Gospels on their own. And then exchange. Exchange is an intense form of curiosity that means being so curious that you want to exchange ideas and ask questions and offer your own opinions. And it can be scary when people start asking questions when they're truly curious. But that just means we need to prepare and we need to have answers for them. But you will never have answers if you don't make friends with people that have questions that you, that you don't have because you already have the answers. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know about people. And we'll never reach them if we don't rub shoulders with them and, bec- and get to know them beyond high at the grocery store. Okay, uh, so how can we provoke curiosity? Jesus was fantastic at provoking curiosity in those around him. He drew crowds wherever he went. And much of this attention can be credited to, credited to his miraculous power, of course, but we also see Jesus as he interacts with folks more intimately, doing simple things uh, intentionally to stir their curiosity. Jesus knew what the crowds expected of him. And have you noticed in the Bible he does the exact opposite sometimes? We should model our intera- interactions after him. I'm just going to hold that because I can't stay back there. Okay. We need to encourage questions. Jesus often asked questions about, uh, for, of those around him. This seems normal, but when we realize that God already knew everything, why, would we, why did he ask questions? Well, he asked questions for the person he was asking the question from. Jesus asked 183 questions in the Gospels. He only answered three of them. And he asked 307 questions back to the people that answered the first question. Jesus was not having question and answer sessions. He was having question and question sessions. So let's look at some of them. What do you want me to do for you? The paralytic is at the pool to get into the water so he'll be healed. What do you think he wanted him to do? How do you read the law? He asked that of an expert of the law who was mostly interested in taking shots at what Jesus was going to say. Where is everyone? Has no one condemned you? This was the woman who had been caught in adultery after everyone had humbly walked away rather than stone her. Who do people say I am? Although I'm pretty sure that he already knew that. There's a saying that says... A good question is worth a thousand answers. Sometimes when people, when someone asks a question, an answer is the last thing they need. Instead, they need someone st- to stoke the fire of curiosity in their lives. Some, sometimes they need someone to awake the inc- intrigue within them, giving them another question rather than a bad ax- answer. One of the greatest acts of love we can give is to ask good questions and help our friends learn to ask more questions for themselves. Let's be the ones who ask great questions. Spark curiosity wherever you go, just like Jesus. Next, Jesus used parables. He often told simple but haunting stories to those around him. These parables were stories about just things that were around they but they stuck in the minds of those that were hearing like fish hooks one stuck into someone these seemingly innocent stories haunted them they begged further inquiry further thought further questions in mark 4 jesus explained that the reason he loves parables is that they draw some people closer to him and they make People come closer to him. Others were just uninterested and others were perplexed. Through parables, he was able to find out what was occurring in their heart and and to stir up that interest. We should get in the habit of noticing parables all around us and learning how to use them to provoke curiosity about Jesus. Pay attention and practice using parables. Now that takes some effort. You have to think about it. But, but that's what Jesus did because he knew if he could talk to somebody about something they already knew something about but, but put it in, in a different way, he would cause them to become curious. Next is that we need to live curiously. Jesus did things all the time that was countercultural and caused those around him to pay attention asked questions of him he touched the leper he ate with sinners and tax collectors he let the prostitute cry all over his feet God, the disciples didn't even understand this uh, <coughs> he went to jerusalem when he knew that it was a it would be dangerous for him he did not do what was expected and i can tell you right now that the postmoderns around you, they expect thir- certain things from you. They expect you to be mean hearted. They expect you to not care about the poor, they, which is, you know, silly, but that's irrelevant. That's what they think. They expect you to be judgmental. They expect many things of us, but we have got to learn to live a life that doesn't live up to their expectations. And, in, and instead, when they look at us, they say, I just don't get it. You're not anything like I thought. If you are like they thought, then you need to pray about it. And <laughs> but, we, you know, we can be a catalyst for curiosity. And God can work through us to cause people to question their easy answers about life. And and as that happens, seeds are being planted. Practicing Christian community is a pivotal way of uh, uh, causing uh, curiosity. There are many Kingdom truths that can only be seen through relationships and community. Be sure people have the opportunity to see you live in community. Now that's the reason, um, sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, you know, people say they should belong before, they, uh, before they'll believe. D- yeah, believe. And sometimes I think we in the church, it's one thing to let people do too much in your church before they know anything. That's not what we're talking about. But we do need to give them opportunity to see us in community. And it may be that they don't come to church. So, how can they see us in community if they don't come to church?
1: Living
0: by example. Yeah, living by example, yeah. but yeah, invite your neighbor to dinner. You know, I'll tell you sometimes that's a it's just not very convenient, but we're not going to win the lost if we don't do what isn't convenient, you know, so that's um. They, can, they will be able to see forgiveness in action, reconciliation, people who speak the truth to love to in each with each other. And, and as we live the life, they will be able to see the Jesus that is in us. And the, uh, the last is focus on Jesus and his kingdom. As you point to Jesus, Recount your favorite Jesus story and gently expose your friends to the living word. You know, we at Radiant Life, we have a daycare. And um, we have, oh my goodness, we have people that come. When does this end? I want to be sure and keep my eye on the, when is it? Three o'clock? Okay, that's what I thought, 15 minutes. Um, But we have them come and they experience, community now everybody that works for us is not a Christian and some people say well oh. well you know that's a that's an outreach too and Jamie makes them toe the line believe me that's my daughter but but they see Christians in community okay next Thresh, the next threshold is opening up to change there, well I've already talked about that uh, from being closed to change, to being open to change in their lives. There is a big difference between being curious and being open to change. To use a farming analogy, it is as if the ground has been tilled, that's building trust, the seed has been planted in water, that's becoming curious, and now a turning point has been reached. In these ripe conditions will the seed break open and germinate. Will the process of growth take a significant turn? Sometimes the environment leads quite naturally and and easily to change. For some people when they learn about Jesus they're hungry for change. They just want to discuss spiritual issues and they're curious about and they want satisfying answers. But normally for everyone that easily makes the transition from curious to open to change there are many more who struggle to become open this threshold is the most difficult to overcome change is beautiful but it is horrific remember the rich young ruler in Mark 10 he wanted to hang out with Jesus he wanted to follow Jesus around he seems to have trusted Jesus and came to Jesus with real questions but when Jesus challenged him to experience real change In this case, it was rethinking his relationship with money by selling all that he had and giving to the poor. The trusting, curious man walked away sad. Becoming open to change is a very tough threshold to cross. One reason this part of the journey is so difficult is that it dawns on our friends that they're gonna have to question their own worldview. And accepting Christ, with, um, accepting Christ is gonna, they're going to have to change their perspective about some things. The voice of patience and compassion invites them to consider, what if this God thing is really ri- real? And then we need to pray for them and help them to, uh, pray for them to make uh, these profound decisions about life and direction and faith. Never forget that this is just a tool, and you need to pray that God breaks through their hard shell. This is not, like I said, it's not magical. It won't necessarily work without prayer, and um, and and letting God make the difference. Okay, fifteen. Um, J- challenge as Jesus. Challenge. You'll notice Jesus touches the pain of the broken and honest. He meets a woman with a past. He wants to help bring her pain out into the open so he can offer her something better, his own living water. And at that time he used gentle affirmation. Secondly, Jesus mobilized the self-pitying and fearful. He calls for change. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. Jesus speaks with authority and doesn't let the crippled man make any excuses. Jesus, I don't know how that got, oh brother. Jesus agitated the complacent and the glib. Because of his background, Jesus decides that Nicodemus needs to be agitated and confronted in love. He needs someone to shake him out of his complacency. And then God, for some people, connected the dots for the confused and befuddled. In John 5, the Jews came to some really strong and incorrect conclusions about Jesus. Jesus doesn't try to affirm them or help them see their brokenness. I can't read it myself. Um, it's right here. Uh, action, yeah. Um, oh, he simply makes... Oh, okay, I got it. Okay, I found it. Aren't you happy? <laughs> okay. In John five, the Jews came to some really strong and incorrect conclusions about Jesus, and he didn't give them make a lengthy overview of the events, etc. But oh, he no, he did. He explained. He talks about his relationship with God, and he outlines what he's been doing and comments about what that, that they shouldn't be surprised about that. In other words, for the person that was confused and befuddled, he took the time to connect the dots. And if you're going to talk to uh, postmodern people, there's going to be a lot of people that don't really understand hardly anything that you understand, and you have to be willing to take that time. Jesus served people by challenging them in a way that made sense for who they were and where they were. And each person was treated specifically as he needed to be in his situation. Threshold four is from complacent to seeking. The goal is to lean into the journey they're on and decide to purposefully seek final actions. When someone is truly seeking, there is an urgency and purpose to their searching. And this is how you can recognize a true seeker. Seekers seek Jesus, not just God. Seekers count the cost because there is a cost. It's wonderful following Jesus, but you have to make some changes, and that's, it's costly. Seekers spend time with Christians. Seekers make the implications of the gospel personal, not just sit up somewhere in the heavenlies and just keep doing what they do. It is during this time that the pre-Christian decides that they need to make up their mind about becoming a follower of Jesus. We do want to be careful that we don't just leave people sort of. I mean, this can be a pretty long process, but when they get here, it's pretty important that you not just leave them that there because people cannot stay seeking forever. And if we don't, um, if we don't, I'm not saying push them, but if we don't challenge them to make decisions, well, then sometimes they just. They just give up. You know, they just decide it's they're done with it. Threshold five is entering the kingdom. When our friends get to this point, they have a choice to sell all or walk away. Jesus regularly nudged people toward this choice. He knew that seeking isn't going to go on forever. And then finally, be appropriately urgent at this point. You know, some of the earlier ones you can... you you know it it may take a while and even when they're seeking that may take a while but you just don't want to get bogged down there and never go to the point where they have to make a decision so when we sense that it's time for them to make a decision we can help them by doing these things ask them clearly and simply to enter the kingdom realize you know they don't really know exactly how to do it if somebody doesn't ask them how are they going to make that step into the kingdom? And if they say no to a call for commitment, then ask them why they're saying no. Find out their questions and their blocks, and then honestly help them either resolve or set aside the various blocks that are keeping them from choosing Christ. You know, some things you, don't, uh, some, some things you just have to put aside. Even we do, don't we? We go through things and and things don't go as we think they should. I'm sure you had to put aside some things with jessica when when she was born and she had this serious heart disease. Why? Why? You know, I don't know why. but you had to you couldn't say, oh, I mean, you, you as much as I would think, you can tell me if I'm wrong. but I would think that you tried to figure it out, and when the time came that you couldn't completely understand, you just said, I have to trust him I have to trust him and this is the this is what's happening here there comes a time when they they need to talk about what their problems are and I didn't mean you just throw them over because you never know if they're at that last time you know that last place but I'm just saying you just don't want to leave them too long at just sort of curiously seeking and then you You just help them to see that some things they may just not understand now you know why is there evil in the world I mean I can tell you why but I can't make you feel like that's right and I can't tell you really the truth that that's the only reason you know what I'm saying so we have to help them understand they don't under have to understand everything before they give Jesus do you have any questions or comments does it make sense is it useful to you because to me I grew up in such a different world, you know. I mean, people would come in on, you know, Sunday night was our uh, getting saved service, you know. And uh, people would walk in that were awful. I mean, like, awful. And they would come in, and, but they knew. They knew there would be an altar call. And they knew when that altar call came that it would that they should walk go forward. And if they came forward and gave their hearts to the Lord, it's just like, Okay, I know what I got to do now. I'm Jesus's, and this is it. But we live in a different world, and let's not ride a dead horse. Let's figure out how we can really reach our neighbors and our friends. Yes. Uh,
1: another great book on the topic is <laughs> uh, "The Gospel Comes to the Housekeeper."
0: But yes. Yes. Is that
1: it has some not great things about the role
0: of women and men? Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Really of. Yes. I, I actually love to read that author. She's <laughs> Uh, Butterworth, or something uh, like that? Uh, oh, something, something weird. Like yeah. Rosaria. Yeah. Yeah, Ros- yeah, Rosaria, something or other. But anyway, she was a homosexual. She was the head of, um, of I think this is so odd, but queer studies at like, um, I don't know, some major prestigious university. And when she got saved, she married a <laughs> um, a reformed pastor. And reformed is like. Yeah. Choo- you know, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, she—that uh, is worth reading. That is worth reading. She has neighbors, and she has dinner like every night for all these people. And oh,
1: it's uh, the gospel comes to the house.
0: Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. But you might want to get ready to get sort of shook up yeah, about it yeah. About what it means to open your, open home. your home, yeah. yeah. So I, I can't remember Rosaria.
1: Rosaria. Yeah. Uh, yeah it wasn't
0: Mrs. no no no, no no, no, it wasn't she wasn't serpy, this lady is not serpy, I tell you, <laughs> yeah, you know it's very interesting. I think it's good for us to listen. She has some um, I don't know if you'd say podcasts, but there's some things you can listen to. She wrote a first book about her coming to the Lord, and you know sometimes we need to read those because I don't know about you, but I sort of live in a If I'm not careful, I live in a bubble and I need to hear, I need to understand how lost, lost people are. You know, it's not like they've even said exactly no to Jesus. They just don't have a clue. And it's sad. Yeah, yeah, Butterfield. Yeah, Butterworth probably was the wrong thing to say. (laughs) That was close. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes.
1: Mm -hmm. but how do you know when someone is crossing each of those thresholds? Well some
0: yeah Yeah. I I, I think there's a I think there is a uh, bleed from one to another so you might not know exactly when but you can sort of feel it when they begin to trust you and and in the context of intervarsity they're also doing it in the context of uh, interacting with InterVarsity, so they're interacting with Christians. And so I, don't, I think it's good to invite people to church and, you know, and, and that's good. So it's the same kind of thing. But, um, and I don't, and neither do I think that the lines are hard lines. You know, someone might, just because somebody goes from curiosity to seeking, that doesn't mean they're not going to go back. You just don't want them to give up. You know, but you just—you know—we have a real advantage over anybody else. We can ask the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can lead us. And I would love—I think it'd be wonderful, you know—if they had a little if God just like when I looked at people, He said, "Curious." <laughs> but we—we we do have the Holy Spirit that can tell us, you know, and He's not—he probably is not going to say, "Well, I think they're on threshold three now." <laughs> uh, although he could surprise me but I think that it just gives us sort of a framework to think in terms of and to just sort of keep in the back of your mind that that it's a road it, it is not a yes there is a moment when they accept Christ but if you're not willing to walk the road with them to that moment you very well may never get them to that moment yes
1: It is a culture, obviously. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, full of people from the LGBTQ community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my, both of my girls have made very dear friends. Um, and uh, I've actually sat down with my daughter and said, okay, I want you to tell me yourself how you um, befriend people who you know and uh, you love them. And she even went to college for this field. And uh, without sacrificing an ounce of truth.
0: Yeah, you mean like uh, you this know, field, what field, the field of music arts, theater. music theater. Okay, gotcha. And,
1: um, and so it's it's been a real educational mm-hmm. experience because that's always been my prayer. God, help me to love people like you love them. Yes. And not sacrifice a single ounce of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. In my life, mm-hmm. let me never compromise one bit. That's right. Let me show them how much you love them through the way I talk to them and treat right. them. Right. In fact, just, you know, and I'll fully admit it, it's just you know, yesterday, I was in a, a, a play in a local local theater recently, and we had a mini cast party over at one of the ladies' houses, and uh, she offered me booze, and I politely declined, and <laughs> I said, I'll take some of that pop, that's fine. Um, but I sat with our director and his husband mm-hmm. and had dinner with them and talked to them about their awesome apartment and the view off, off the lake and the eagles he had pictures of and stuff, and just... Um, Befriended mm-hmm. our director and who gave me a great big hug at the end of the night. And and when I was driving home, I'm like, okay, God, I know that's one of the steps I have built a connection with this guy. He's going to call me back and probably ask me to be a part of something else. Show me how and when I can share the gospel. Yeah, him because, yeah. Um, because I have an end. I have a relationship. That's right. And that is absolutely one hundred percent dead on correct uh, with the trust issue mm-hmm. with, with that because. What they, their pictures of Christians are what they see on TV mm-hmm. and they show the most extremist kooky people on TV. Right. Or, that we would and like they get, get all the
0: press. Uh, Yes, absolutely. And they, 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 you
1: know, that tiny little 40 member Baptist church holding the signs. Yeah. that's Christians exactly. to, to so many people. Yeah. Like, do you realize that 99.99999 at all the 91% are not, are not those, those people. Right. We actually do love you. <laughs> and we actually love Jesus so much it serves us no purpose to withhold him from you Yeah. Um, but you know that's been my prayer and, and I'm so glad you said we, just said we have the advantage we have the Holy Spirit so yeah. God please lead me and show me when yeah. to speak and when to shut up when to listen and, and when to actually when that moment comes that opportunity comes to say okay now I'm going to share my story with you and, uh, and just and yeah. let you have it and we've just we've seen God do so many miraculous things through that mm-hmm. with our relationships that we've built. So I'm sorry I took so long. No, no,
0: but I just want to say this one thing in closing. You know, with our children, we're sometimes very frightened about this world, you know, and we want to protect our children, uh, but also I think that we want to, we want to talk to our children because they're going to see, no matter what, even if you homeschool your kids. You cannot keep kids away from everything, and I'm not saying. And I homeschooled my kids, and all my kids are homeschooling their kids. You know, it's just what what we do. But by the same token, they have interactions with other people, and and there's TV and there's everything, and and so my point is this: teach your children to love the kids in the neighborhood. Teach your killed, kill children. To care about them, but I will say I wouldn't let them go in their house in their parents' homes very much because there's just too much stuff that they could get into. But, but you know, you can be the hub for the neighborhood and see your neighborhood change. You never know; your kids could become the missionaries. That's right. That is right. So, well, let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you, and we just I just pray that as each one leaves today, that you will just give them uh, in their in their hearts. a a thought about somebody that you want them to reach out to and lord i pray that you will give them patience and that you will give them such a love for that person that you're willing to they're willing to walk through um not just these four these five thresholds but walk through life with them and that they will come and know you as your their personal savior and we just thank you and give everyone a good trip home and Keep us all safe and bring us back together soon. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.